Welcome everyone to the Sports Ethos Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. I think we're just going to try to call it Buxcast moving forward. The sport, e- Sports Ethos Buxcast. It's a bit of a tongue twister, actually. My name is Jared King. Today uh, we talked to Greg Alman, formerly of The Athletic. He was the Bucks beat writer there for, for years. Now he's with Fox Sports covering the NFC South. Talked to him about the NFC South, everything going on there. Talked to him about... You know, the Bucks, because that's what this podcast is about. And uh, got some good insight from him. A lot of stuff going on in free agency. Bucks making some moves. A little surprises to what they've been able to do so far, considering the last time we spoke, they were $55 million over the cap. We'll talk with Greg about that. Uh, special, special day for those of us who are Bucks fans. Three years ago, we got Tom Brady. Turned out all right. You know, Super Bowl, it's fine. It worked out. We're going to dive right in. This is my conversation with Greg Allman recorded March 16th. As he was headed, actually, to the uh, media conference where they welcome back Jamel Dean and Anthony Nelson. Here we go. Hey, Greg, thanks for joining. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well as well. I know you're very busy this time of year. Um Let's let's just jump right into it. The NFC South, a lot of movement the last few days, uh, free agency, trades, um, kind of started before we jump into each team individually. Last week with the Panthers, they got that number one overall pick. A uh, couple of questions on that. Is that an overpay? And do you is there a certain way you kind of see them going at uh, what we all assume is quarterback? Yeah, I, I thought, I don't know about an overpay. I mean, they definitely paid a lot. It takes a lot to get to a number one pick in a quarterback-driven draft. So, I thought it was neat in that, I mean, a lot of people had, you know, I think initially it was like, gosh, I wonder who will be there at nine for him. And is it the third quarterback or the fourth quarterback? And there were certainly models where like all four of kind of the top tier quarterbacks were gone at nine. So then it was like, gosh, okay, can they, you know, what would it take them to get to five? What would they get to four? Um, maybe you're getting the third best at that point. So I kind of liked that in, instead of all these half measures, they, they just said, no, forget it. Well, we've, Got extra picks from the McCaffrey deal. Um, you know, DJ Moore is a big asset. I mean, he's well paid, but that's one of their best players. So uh, that's a big part of this, too. But now I think it's, uh, you know, for them, I-, I felt like Carolina did a good job to get out in front and hiring to get Frank Reich as the first hire this cycle and really get a good staff as a result of that. And I think this is much the same thing with the draft. It's like rather than wait and see who falls to you, rather than hoping that other teams ahead of you miss on their pick at quarterback and give you somebody you really like they got right to the top so no I, I don't know exactly who it is is it Stroud is it Richardson I don't know who who their guy is yet uh, but for them I think it means a lot as they rebrand uh, with a new coach with essentially a new owner here in David Tepper now with a new quarterback um, they really get to do that with strength and do it from the number one overall pick and, and it, they've done a lot in the last week or so to kind of add to that yeah let's jump right into to that part of it as well um just looking at before we get to the Bucks uh, and all they've done, su- surprisingly, all they've been able to do. Um, Panthers, Falcons, Saints. We'll start with the Panthers. What's something that a move they've made in the last few days, besides number one overall pick, obviously, uh, that you like, and then one that maybe you're not so sure on? Yeah, you know, I, I didn't think Carolina would be able to do that much. They didn't have a ton of cap space. Uh, so, I mean, Miles Sanders is probably the biggest splash, I and mean, that's a big get for them. Um, you know, I think everybody saw it. They would want to bring Deontay Foreman back and kind of continue the the run heavy 
strength that they had at the, in that second half surge last year. So, I mean, I, I like Miles Sanders. I think he's a little undervalued. Um, you know, I think they've done some other kind of pieces that are coming. Hayden Hurst comes in relatively cheaply. Uh, Von Bell on defense gives him a big eye safety. They got Shai Tuttle from the Saints. So I, I really thought they did a good job uh, of being more active than, than I thought they would. Andy Dalton is a good uh, kind of stopgap kind of thing where you know you have the number one overall pick, but if you don't want to rush that guy in week one, Andy Dalton's a guy who's who's kind of been a mercenary. I think it's five teams in five years for him, but he's also done a pretty good job of of kind of winning, of not ruffling feathers, of being a good mentor, kind of the things you want from a a backup you pair with a number one overall pick. Yeah, kind of going on that Dalton bit, if it's somebody like C.J. Stroud, who a lot of scouts believe is ready to go day one or, or at close to day one, maybe not day one, but a few weeks in at the, at the worst. Yeah. Uh, how long do you think it is if maybe Anthony Richardson? Cause a lot of people um, seem to think that he's going to be more of a project and that he's gonna take a little longer to develop and be ready to go. But his ceiling is much higher than maybe a Stroud is according to some uh, scouts. Right. I feel like some of that has to do with where he goes, you know, like if Carolina had stayed at nine and got Anthony Richardson, that's a little bit more like Mahomes as a rookie where like you've taken a guy high, uh, but there's not necessarily a need to play him right away. To me, if you take a guy number one overall, um, I think Baker, when he was one overall, I think didn't play till like the third game. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's one of those where you make such a huge investment with a number one overall pick. Um, I, I think it's kind of like from the start, you want to do everything you can to put all you have into developing him and getting him ready. And if that means taking lumps, maybe losing games, you might win with a capable veteran in the first couple of weeks of the season. It's almost more important to use that time to prepare that number one overall quarterback. So yes, somebody like Richardson uh, might not be ready in week one. So like if you came out of the gate and you had like, you know, the bills or the chiefs or some A-list team in week one, and you don't want to throw that guy out there and have him have a negative first week and then throw four picks in his debut or something. I, I get right. that. Um, if it's on the road and week three is at home and it feels like a, a, a softer place to land and give him his first game. I, I get that too. So some of it's just situational, but um, I, I feel like when you take a quarterback at one overall, there's definitely that expectation. You're just going to go Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston, right out of the gate, week one starter. He's your guy, you know, kind of win or lose with him, but watch him develop. Well, speaking of Jameis Winston, let's go to his current team, the New Orleans Saints. Um, he ended up staying around with them, but they have a new starting quarterback, Derek Carr. What do you think about what they've done the past uh, few days to kind of build around Derek Carr and and try to be competitive again in the NFC South? Yeah, again, the Saints are another team that I think probably did a little bit more than I expected. They, they took a big hit on defense. Uh, I think they lost six qualifying free agents. You lose, uh, I kind of expected they'd lose Marcus Davenport to lose David Onyemata, to lose Shai Tuttle and Caden Ellis, um, Deontay Hardy on offense. You know, Andy Dalton, we certainly knew was gone. You know, Derek Carr was a big splash for them. For them to be able to fit in a, a $30 million quarterback within their cap crunch, you know, definitely gives them a credibility and, and a real shot to contend in this wide-open NFC South. I felt like uh, to get Jamal Williams, I, I thought was a really good, you know, I don't, I don't know if they know how much Alvin Kamara they'll have or when they'll lose him or if they'll lose him mm-hmm. this year, but I felt like that was a really good uh, upgrade. Um, within like an hour of, of Carolina getting uh, Miles Sanders. I mean, it's just two really good backs to add to the division and probably take a little of the pressure off of 
what the Saints would be without Kamara because there wasn't necessarily a lot of depth behind them. They hadn't re-signed Mark Ingram. Um, so I like that move a lot. Um, the two D tackles they got to replace Animata and Tuttle, uh, Nathan Shepard and, and Colin Saunders, I like a lot. And that might even be an upgrade long term. So no, I feel like New Orleans has done well. Uh, again, took some hits on defense and, and probably have more coming on that. But I mean, there's several guys they had that I had expected them to lose in terms of Michael Thomas and Andrews Pete, where they just convinced guys to take much less. I, I don't really get Jameis Winston taking an $8 million pay cut to take a job where he knows he's not going to play unless someone gets hurt. But I, I guess that speaks to the culture they have there. The people want to stay there, even if they don't have a real obvious path to the playing field. Now uh, on the Jamal Williams part, three years, 12 million. I think that's the correct number there for him. Yeah. That uh, he didn't, he lead the league in touchdowns last year. I feel like he could have gotten a little more somewhere else. Is it a thing where he just wanted to go play in new Orleans because the saints have that culture or is it just, maybe the market wasn't as robust as uh, some people expected for him. Yeah. I mean, running back free agency is not necessarily a, a jackpot thing to be in right now. The league doesn't really value backs very well. I mean, I think Montgomery got paid pretty well. I think he was more at like six and eight or three and 18, I think. Uh, but for the most part, there, there weren't a whole lot. I mean, the, the guys that would have commanded the best salaries in free agency this year in, in Tony Pollard and Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley all got tagged, and that's like $11 million. Um, and that kind of keeps there from being that that kind of bidding war that drives prices up. So I felt like that next tier, um, where again, Miles Sanders is a good value. Jamal Williams is a good value. Um, there's a lot of good running backs that don't get more than 4 or $5 million a year right now. So uh, you feel bad for them, but, I mean, at least they're in good situations. Uh, teams that, you know, I mean, Kamara, you don't know how much he's going to take away from Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, I felt like, just was such a good scoring back. I mean, they had other backs that ran well last year, but I mean, he just, in terms of converting in short yardage and being a great red zone closer, he, he really did a good job with that. So uh, that's definitely an upgrade for them on what they got from, you know, from Mark Ingram, at least as whatever they're pairing with, with tomorrow. I, I love Jamal Williams, but I kind of hate to see him on the Saints. That's just a personal thing for me. Right. Um, the The Falcons did quite a bit. I think the Jesse Bates move is, is, uh, pretty big for them. Um, they spent quite a lot of money. What What do you think that – what is a move that they made that you uh, really love? Yeah, I mean, they had, like, second most cap space to spend. They had, like, $65 million at their disposal. So you knew they were going to be players. And I was curious whether they went top of position and went big like Jesse Bates or, or got a bunch of guys in that mid-range. Um, I thought they did really well not only to extend Chris Lindstrom but to get Caleb McGarry back on a reasonable contract. Um, you know, they had not exercised his option, which kind of put them at exposure of, of losing him in free agency. So to get both those guys back, um, you know, defensively, I had thought they might kind of raid the same defense a little bit. So to get Onyemata, to get Caden Ellis, those were good. Jesse Bates is definitely probably the headliner in this. Uh, um, Johnny Smith is intriguing and in that he's a guy that's done nothing in the last two years, but had a really good season in 2020 with Arthur Smith, with the Titans. So you kind of hope they can rekindle that. I, I still feel like they're, they've neglected receiver two a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if it seems like in terms of dominoes, like if the Packers do in fact um, have Rodgers and Lazard and some of that Packers posse coming in there, Corey Davis is probably cut because he's due to make like $15 million. Corey Davis had his best years in Tennessee with Arthur Smith. So that seems like a really good match there in terms of getting back to the guy you played your best ball with and filling a need for Atlanta if they, if they bring him in as a, as a wide receiver too. 
Yeah, the Jonu Smith move is is pretty intriguing to me. I, like you said, he did very well uh, in Tennessee under Arthur Smith in 2020. I, I'm I'm intrigued to see what he does um, in this offense next season. Uh, hopefully yeah, not. Too, hopefully not too good at the Bucks' detriment, but but we'll see. Right. Yeah, and when to have him, it's curious. And then I mean, you already have Kyle Pitts there, so I think having Jonu Smith, who's probably more of a traditional blocking tight end, probably frees up Kyle Pitts to be uh, more of a hybrid, more of a slot tight end, the pass catching tight end which is his wheelhouse. So I think it lets you have a blocker on the field, but also have Kyle Pitts be more of a pass-catching tight end, ramp up his targets. Um, he, he's probably there with Drake London, kind of the 1A target if they do things right in that offense. Um, so I like that. And I'm curious to see, Johnny was supposed to get like $23 million over two years, and I, they had said he restructured, but I've yet to see the numbers on how much less he was willing to take to kind of get to a good place. Yeah, definitely would be intriguing to see how that offense plays out. Um, and, of course, the last team in the NFC South, the two-time division champions, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it, it was it was kind of unknown heading into this offseason. Would they be really going for it if they couldn't retain some of these guys? Would they kind of concede to a kind of a soft rebuild? Um, I, I'm shocked that they found a way to keep both Jamel Dean and Levante David. Now, the Jamel Dean one is the one that really surprises me. What insight do you have on what they were able to do to get him to stay? Yeah, well, I'm actually driving to one buck to talk to Jamel right now. They're, they're kind of introducing or rolling him out after his new deal. Uh, I was surprised as well. And then, like, first of the week, like Monday, I, I talked to somebody kind of around the team and was asking, like, gosh, which of their big freaks can they keep? And it was like, it might not be any. Like, there was definitely the possibility that things could go much worse, where if Jamel had a bigger market and somebody that was a contender offered Levante the right deal, they lose both of those. And then you're, you're kind of signing some consolation prices at that point. Um, so for them to be able to keep not only Dean and David and Anthony Nelson, but to get what felt like a pretty good match for them in Baker Mayfield, I thought they did really well. This, this could have been a really bad week for them. And they've come out of it looking like a team that had a lot more cap flexibility than they did. So um, Baker Mayfield, you know, he's kind of in that second tier quarterbacks, but I felt like he had, probably a little more upside than the Jacoby Brissett or Gardner Minshew's or some of the other people that had been mentioned. Uh, you know, he's probably their guy. He's probably coming in with a little ahead of steam where he's probably ahead of Kyle Trask and Trask would really have to have a strong camp to beat him out as much as Baker's been able to do uh, in his five years in the NFL. Uh, the, the one guy that just happened the last hour or so, Chase Edmonds um, yeah. signing a one-year deal with the Bucks. Uh, that That's pretty much a depth move, right? That's I, I is he going to play a whole lot with the Bucks, or is he's that second string guy? Will Keyshawn Vaughn be the second string guy? What do you think there? Yeah, I would think that, I would think it lines up a lot like twenty one in Arizona, where James Conner was the lead back, had like thirteen touchdowns, um, but Edmonds had a solid role for a number two back. He rushed for like five hundred yards, caught like forty passes. Um, I think it's probably closer to that than what he had. He was barely involved as a third back in Miami or Denver. Um, like, didn't he have 300 yards all year? So uh, I think this definitely shows their confidence in Rashad White, that they are okay not getting a big name, not going after a, a Zeke Elliott or a Deontay Foreman or some of the best guys that are able right now. Chase Chase comes in on, on a league minimum deal. I mean, this is this is a good value depth signing, the kind that Jason Line was talking about, where, um, I mean, he's got some motivation to get himself back as a relevant back. And if he has a good year, he's getting two and six a year from now and not a league minimum deal. So um, I think it definitely shows where they are cap wise, having to make some really frugal decisions, but I, I kind of liked it. And I think it, it definitely speaks to how well they are comfortable with Rashad White with Rashad White taking on more this second year. I'm excited to see Rashad White 
really have that big role. I think especially that Seattle game um, that was in Germany, I believe uh, that was kind yeah. of like his coming out game that, that stiff arm that all the Bucks fans remember that yeah. he put on that. That was big um, real quick. I know you're pressed on time, uh, but yeah. uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, obviously one year deal. You kind of see as a short-term signing. Is he a guy given he's only, I believe 27 years old. Yeah. Is this a situation where if everything clicks with Dave Canales and the new offense, and I mean, he's got Evans and Godwin and, and Rashad White, who we just met, mentioned, and once health is there, a pretty good offensive line and left tackles figured out. Um, is this a guy that you could see possibly being the Bucks quarterback for quite a few years down the road if everything clicks this season? Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, if you go back to even a full year ago, I mean, things were iffy with him um, after his last year in Cleveland, and he got pushed out mainly because they just – you know, got in on Deshaun Watson and literally it's kind of like when Jameis got bumped for Tom Brady. It's like that you're losing out to a $230 million quarterback. Um, I don't think 22 went well for him. Didn't have good games in Carolina. Kind of had moments with the Rams, but nothing huge there. So, I mean, what they're hoping to do is just get 2020 Mayfield, which is 26 touchdowns and eight interceptions. Had two great receivers there, a lot like he'll have here in terms of having Beckham and Landry. They both went over 1,019 with him as their quarterback. Um, you know, it feels a lot, if you think about what Dave Canales was able to do last year, to take a guy that wasn't held in very high regard in Geno Smith and turn him into a Pro Bowl quarterback with 30 touchdowns and 3,500 yards passing, um, a guy that gets a $25 million contract. I think the idea is, okay, could you do this again with Baker Mayfield, who's similarly discarded, former high pick. Obviously, he's been a much better quarterback than Geno was at any point. Um, but again, you can get him for $4 million right now. This is another really good value. Um, I think Brissett would have been maybe the safer play where you knew what you were getting, but probably didn't have better than like a, a B minus season or something like that. And Mayfield, again, he's got a window here where if he brings it back and he's a 30 touchdown guy or a 27 touchdown guy, he can get back to that top tier of getting paid as an NFL quarterback, whether it's here in Tampa or somewhere else. If he doesn't, he runs the risk of, of falling into that churn of, of, of Drake Bortles territory. I mean, he's he's on his fourth team in nine months, which is unusual for a number one overall pick. But he has a chance here to win the job, to take advantage of the personnel he has, to kind of help the Bucks exceed expectations, uh, to reset himself as, as a guy that people want to have as their quarterback. Yeah, I think we're all hoping for great success for Baker because he seems like a fun guy. He can he can dance obviously very well, and uh, like you said, he's had success in the NFL. Just a matter of maybe some consistency as far as a coaching staff and a team, and a team wanting him. Um, I think is a big thing too, which feels like Tampa might. Uh, Greg, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, appreciate your time. I know you're very busy right now, and uh, tell tell Jamel Dean and Anthony Nelson welcome back. I will. I will. Thanks for having cool. me. Man. I appreciate this. Well, that was Greg Alman. took time out of his day to come in and talk with me about the NFC South and everything going on there. Hey, let's hope the Bucks can can uh, do some good things with Baker or, or Kyle Trask. It doesn't really matter. I, I want a quarterback who plays well. We'll see what happens. If you want to find us on Twitter, we're at Ethos Bucks. I'm at Jared Ross King. This has been the Sports Ethos Bucks cast. That's the official name now. I'm going to make it that way. There's nothing they can do about it. And uh, that's it. We're out.